Welcome, everyone. I'm Grandpa Jimmy, your host, and you're listening to the Family and Stories podcast from a little bit chilly but beautiful Colorado Springs today. Uh, my guest today has been on the program before, and I'm looking forward to what he will share with us today. It's going to be really important. But if you're like me, you may be thinking about what you should be doing with your retirement accounts and other investments at year end here. So I thought this would be a good time to hear from my friend and financial advisor, Scott Kays. You know, for over 35 years, Scott has successfully managed hundreds of millions of dollars for hundreds of people. Equally as important, he's a strong believer with a clear biblical view of financial issues. Scott, welcome to the podcast today. Jim, thanks for having me on again. Well, that's a blessing. Anytime you come on, people really appreciate it. And, you know, I, I must admit, Scott, I've been a little surprised by what's been happening in the marketplace since the election. And all you, although you encouraged me to hold steady with my investments, which we have, and I'm glad we did, I'm still surprised. So give us just a little overview of what you think has happened and maybe where you think things are going to go. Yeah, so I'll give you a couple of thoughts on that, Jim. First of all, we have a few rules of investing at uh, my farm. And one of those rules is the market has a way of doing what you don't think it's going to do. And after 36 years of experience, I've just learned that you can't predict what the market's going to do based on circumstances. Um, and it's very complicated as to why that is. But you have to kind of think about what's already built into prices. If you know something and I know something, so does everybody else out there. And they've already responded to it. So, you know, you had a lot of people who were thinking, well, Biden, he's running on a platform of raising taxes and, frankly, things that aren't super friendly to the economy. Uh, why would the market take off like it has since the election? And, again, it's one of our rules that, you know, it just has a way of doing what you don't think it's going to do. And so people who sold out based on a fear of a Biden victory. Uh, have certainly paid the price for that. Now, they've lost out on some major gains in the market. So what is the market looking at? Number one, the market hates uncertainty more than it hates the worst-case scenario. And so the uncertainty got cleared up with the election, and so the market tends to rally on that. But number two, what the market loves uh, after elections is split government between Republicans and Democrats. The market really does not like when one party controls the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And so at this point, the odds are in favor that, that there's not going to be this blue wave that everybody was talking about, and that the Democrats were going to sweep everything and then push through all of these uh, very liberal and, dare I say, socialist-type economic policy. It is up to Georgia and the Senate races in Georgia. I can tell you, I think the Democratic candidates are going to have a hard time winning uh, those runoffs. You're in Atlanta personally, aren't you? Yeah. You're going to personally make sure that the Republicans win, correct? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you what has traditionally happened here is when there's been runoffs, is Democrats and Republicans a lot of times have been very, very close. And we have a law here that in order to win the Senate race, you have to get over 50% of the vote. And I think David Perdue had like 49.9% of the vote, something like that, in his race. But when you have multiple candidates, uh, sometimes it's hard to get over that 50. 
Normally, though, what has happened is the Libertarian candidate comes out with somewhere between 2 to 3%. They typically throw their support behind the Republican, and then the Republican wins the runoff. So on that, it's likely at this point the Democrats will gain one seat in the Senate. But the key is the market is pretty resolved at this point that it's going to be split government. And so these very uh, kind of ultra-left socialist policies, very low probability now that they're going to actually uh, come into play. So the market's relieved over that as well. But the other thing that I think the market is thinking about is, at least in the short term, is this increases the likelihood of a larger stimulus bill. Um, the stimulus would be good for the market, uh, at least in the short term. So there's a lot of factors that have just come together why the market has responded positively. And you put that on top of the fact that um, from the sun, or excuse me, the Monday before Thanksgiving to the end of the year, the stock market is up 90% of the time. It's up 75% of the time in December. Uh, so there's just a lot of favorable factors for the markets, right? Yeah, you're, you're suggesting people stay pat or maybe even add to their investments right now. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And again, you know, we're long-term investors. We're not going to try to time the market and make short-term investments. But I definitely would not look at this as a time to be getting out of the market or reducing my holdings. Uh, yeah, and I should have mentioned also obvious. The big obvious one is the development of the vaccine uh, by Pfizer and then Moderna both based on messenger RNA technology, both having been found to be over 94% effective, you know, they were just hoping to get 60% effective. They would have considered that a huge victory. And to come in at about 94%, that was just way beyond what the market was hoping for. That's bringing a lot of hope uh, for the economy that things get back to normal faster than expected. And remember, the market is forward-looking. It doesn't reflect what's going on in the economy right now, but it reflects what the market thinks is going to be going on in the economy somewhere, you know, around six months down the road. I think in the latter half of 2021, you could see just a roaring economy because of all the pent-up demand. And once people get out and start going to restaurants again and bowling alleys and things like that, retail shopping, I just think you could see a big boom in the economy uh, in the second part of next year. It's just amazing how the market sort of, it it looks so far ahead. I mean, by the time I hear about something, the market had that figured in three months ago. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, everybody knows it. By the time you and I know about it, everybody knows about it. That information is dispersed uh, immediately, and everybody knows about it. And the market has responded immediately to it. One question that has come to mind, and I've heard I've heard believers say this, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes. And I understand that you know we can all hear the voice of God and those kinds of things, but sometimes I'll I'll hear a believer say, "Well, God told me to buy this or buy that," and and so I'm not telling them not to, but I just want you to give me a little opinion as a professional of 35 years about that kind of thinking and what that might create or cause. Yeah, it's funny. When people find out that I'm a Christian and a financial advisor, they a lot of people just automatically assume I pray and I hear from God what investments to make and what to do. You know, if, if I 
make a wrong investment, which I will, it happens on a regular basis with every financial advisor. And well, what's the matter? You must just not hear from God. Jim, as you look through the Bible, the primary principle that leads to financial success is wisdom. So we try to manage money in a wise way and using experience, using a lot of research and study. We do things in what I consider to be a wise way. But it's funny, I asked one of the best money managers on the planet uh, several years ago. I said, in retrospect, I said, how many of your stock picks have been wrong? And I thought he'd say maybe 5%, 10%. They've got, you know, his firm has a tremendous uh, army of analysts. And he surprised me, but without hesitation, he said, oh, 40%. He said, I don't care how good you are. You're going to be wrong 40% of the time. And again, it goes back to this thing that sometimes the market just reacts in a way you don't expect it to. Sometimes the story doesn't play out like you think it's going to for investments. But this whole notion of, well, I'm just going to be led by the spirit and what investments that I make. Uh, you know, a year later, my question would be, well, how's that working out? Have you seen people get in trouble doing that? Big time, big time. And honestly, it's, it's just, it's a little bit silly to me. It's like, you know something, I don't want my doctor operating just by faith. I I want him to have gone to medical school. I want him to know the latest techniques. I want him to be smart. I want him to be practiced. And investment advising is the same way. I don't want someone who just ignores basic principles and think that they just hear from God. Because I got to be honest, I don't know anybody that hears from God that clearly that every investment decision they make is going to be right and is going to be God. I I think, again, we just need to get as good as we can. The Bible says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before king. I think if I'm going to be an investment advisor, I owe it to my clients to become as knowledgeable and as skillful as possible. And people who are going to be managing even their own money, uh, they need to take that approach. They need to learn what they're doing. They're stewards of God's money, and they need to take that approach. Well, you know, I have a little experience in the past. I, I was a, a broker for a while in my younger days, my early life. And uh, and so I thought, well, you know, I know enough. I can manage my own money. And in doing that, I found out that I failed actually more than I succeeded. And that was with some yeah. background, with some experience, with at least some knowledge of how the system works. And uh, I'll tell you what, I've just never done that well on my own. And once I turn it over to an investment advisor, you specifically, things started working well. And I just want to encourage people. I mean, if you really don't know, if you really don't have the experience, find somebody who does. (laughs) So anyway, that's my advice. I totally agree with you. You know, a lot of people have are in a different position than maybe uh, you and I are, for example. Maybe they've lost a job and that was their source of income and they've got a young family and so forth. Do you have any suggestions, any ideas what people can do maybe to create funds or, or uh, just a job, for example, for those who have lost it, self-employment? Have you had any thoughts about that? Yeah, and that's kind of a tough question. There are a number of industries that are really experiencing a tough time right now. Uh, entertainment industry. Um, as you probably know, I am an amateur ventriloquist, 
And uh, you've got a lot of entertainers in that industry that make really good money. And I was reading a blog by one the other day who, um, prior to the pandemic, um, this guy made over $10,000 a show. That was his fee. I mean, he's just extremely good, very talented. Uh, he's stocking shelves right now at a retail store. I mean, that industry has just been devastated. My daughter graduated with a degree in hospitality. That industry has been devastated right now. And so sometimes you just have to go through uh, things where you just got to make do. It's not an ideal situation, and you just know God's there and he's going to get you through on the other side. I do think you have to be careful right now if you're wanting to start a business to really think through the ramifications. There are some businesses that are not going to recover in all likelihood. Uh, the world has changed in terms of, of business. The world has gone digital. The rules have all changed. People need to really think through what the future is going to look like. One of the things that we try to do on the investment side, and, and we use funds as well as individual companies. So this is more applicable on the individual company side, but we try to look at the world that's going to be as opposed to the world that it, as it, as it is. Don't get into a field where technology is going to come in and disrupt what you're doing. You want to be working with technology, not competing against it. Well, that is good advice. You know, one thing I was thinking about for people who are maybe looking for something to do, they might have to change their whole way of thinking. And and uh, I remember when I had uh, been without a job for a while, I decided there's got to be something I can sell and ended up, someone gave me a tip about a company who needed more people on sales just out in the field in homes. And it turned out to work out really, really well for me. And I wasn't expecting that that was the direction I was going to go. So I just want to encourage people to be open-minded. And doing something like sales, there's no investment. You just have to show up usually. Yeah, and, and I would agree. And But, you know, it's like going back to my comment, even looking at your situation, if you went into that same business today, it probably would not work out well for you. And I think I know the business you're talking about, you were very successful in it on the sales side. Uh, where you would actually go into people's homes, demonstrate a product, sell a product. Uh, people don't want strangers coming in their home today, um, you know, because of, of COVID. And But there, then there's opportunities to work from home now because so many people are working from home. You've got Zoom, video conferencing, and areas that you might not have considered in the past because it required travel or other things may no longer require travel. And so there may be lots of areas that have opened up where you can find opportunities. Well, you know, one thing I've seen that is booming, at least here in Colorado, and that is home improvement. People are at home, and those who yeah. do have oh, money yeah. at home are looking for someone to work for them. If you ask for a, you know, anything from a plumber to a carpenter or a handyman to come to your house right now, at least in Colorado, you better get on a waiting line because those guys are busy. Yeah, you're, you're totally correct about that. Home improvement, home renovation is a big deal. The housing industry, if there was ever a time to become a real estate agent, on one hand, this is a golden time because there's so much demand for houses. People are wanting to get out of the cities, into the suburbs where it's less crowded, where they're going to have more space. They want to be able to have room to build a gym in their home. They're, they're doing landscaping 
all sorts of things along the housing market. The big concern there is right now a lack of supply. There's so much demand, um, but the supply is is very low right now. But you know, you're right. Uh, areas like that are just any kind of home improvement is just doing fantastic. So people who have skills in any of those areas, that's an opportunity. If you just put your name out there, I think it wouldn't take long uh, before you'd be getting phone calls and people need things done. I I know one particular young man who's into fire mitigation now, which sounds really big time, but it's simple. You just chop down trees and get rid of grass and, and some of the things that can create a fire in these forested areas. And this mitigation, the guy's making 60, 70 bucks an hour doing fire mitigation. And it's actually very yeah. simple to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to encourage yeah, people. Just, just a bit of creativity. That's right. Just look for some simple things. They don't have to be complex, and they only have to get you through till you have your next opportunity as well. Your company has undergone a huge change here recently, and uh, I, I just want you to take a moment and tell people what has happened and what you're doing now and how important that is to your uh, clients and what that's going to do for them. So we were acquired recently. Uh, it, we merged, but technically we were acquired by Mercer Advisors. Big reasons that we did that our industry is changing. It's evolving. And I want to stay on kind of the leading edge of that. I don't want to become roadkill because we didn't look forward and see what was happening to the industry. And so what's happening in the uh, financial advisory industry right now is you're having these big companies develop, private equity, large companies, large financial companies have realized that people like working with advisors who charge a fee for what they do as opposed to selling products. And so there's a lot of money coming into this field that um, people are buying other firms, companies are buying other firms, and they're developing a scale now that's allowing them to offer services that is hard for just individual local firms to be able to provide. And so we decided to merge with Mercer Advisors, which is headquartered in Denver, not too far from you. Uh, great company. I've known the CEO for 12 years, and they're like a very large version of Kay's Financial, but where we manage uh, maybe a little bit over $750 million, they manage more than $21 billion. Uh, they're a national company, and what this gives us the ability to do now in addition to all the financial planning uh, that we've done in the past and the things that we've done, this now gives us the ability to, we can now prepare tax returns in-house. We can uh, prepare state documents in-house. And advantages of things like that is sometimes when you send people outside to get these things accomplished, uh, a lot of times, you know, let's face it, life gets in the way, clients get busy, they don't have time to actually go out and get it done. Or sometimes they hook up with another professional that's really not the quality you would hope to see. And this just allows us to offer more of those services. Uh, it gives us access to a wider range of subject matter experts and just gives us a little more control over that process to make sure that it actually gets followed. So what's really happening is you're going to be able to offer people even more services now than you've been doing before, but you're still going to be there and you're still going to be managing funds for people. Is that correct? Yeah, I'll still be there. Um, well, your whole team for that matter, your whole team went with you, correct? 
Yes. Yeah. And that was important to us. Uh, that was an important part of uh, us making this move was the team got to stay together. We've really got a great team. The service model is going to stay largely the same. So I don't think current clients will notice much of a difference, if any difference at all. They'll be serviced by the same people. I'm actually going to be at some point heading up to Southeast for Mercer Advisors. And that lets me be in a position of kind of ensuring the quality of services. Um, I think it's going to be fantastic career opportunities uh, for our employees, fantastic permanent home for our clients. Um, and when I say ensure the quality, I'll just be able to, to see as we acquire new firms um, to make sure that the quality of, of what they produce is up to Mercer standard. Well, it sounds like it to me, too. If somebody wants to contact you and, and get involved with you as their, advice, their investment advisor, your company, uh, how can they do that? What should they do? Yeah, give, a, give me a call, Scott Case. Uh, and they can call my office at 770-951-9001. And what's your website? Uh, the website, now they can go to merceradvisors.com. Email address, as we make this transition, is currently sks at scottkays.com. But very shortly, that's going to be transferring over to a Mercer Advisors email address, but the old email address will forward to the new one once that transition happens. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for your company, and I'm looking forward to what that's going to mean to, to your clients, and I'm one of them. So <laughs> I know that that's going to be really good. Scott, just thank you so much for coming on today and giving us a little overview of where you think things are and just really helping people relax, just to stay pat, not worry, uh, that things are, are not as unstable as they may seem in the media. Yeah, absolutely. Nor the big media. They're there to sell uh, ad time and uh, extreme news. That kind of thing is, is what sells ad time. But unfortunately, it's not accurate a lot of the time. Uh, I'm, I'm bullish, Jim, I'll tell you. I'm optimistic about where uh, the markets, the economy is, is going to be going. So, yeah, I would say ignore a lot of the mainstream media and the negativity out there right now. Well, there is. And as you said, they got to get ratings. And if they don't have a controversy, they can't have a rating. <laughs> so, well, Scott, thank you again, sir. And thank all of you for listening to the program today. And if you would like to contact me, you can do that at uh, mygrandpajimmy.com or mygrandpajimmy at gmail.com for the uh, email. So uh, thank you. God bless all of you.